morning I thought it would be good for us to read through the entire book of Leviticus. <laughs> or how about this instead? When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They'd been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's been raised. He's not here. Look. There is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to, the, to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone. For they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. The great surprise. The one thing we could not fathom occurring has actually happened. The impossible become possible. The news is good news. Fill us again this morning with that incredible, mind-shattering, heart-lifting good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. They ran from the tomb, said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The end. I have, I love this ending. I love that ending. I have to admit that of all the Gospels, Matthew's resurrection story is my, I mean, Matt, Matthew, Mark, Mark, where are we? Mark's resurrection story is the absolute favorite for me. I love it. It leaves us with wondering what happens next. What does happen next? I mean, aren't they supposed to tell? That's the whole point, right? Do they tell what happens? What goes on? Did they not? How does anyone find out if they go and don't say a word to anyone? How do we, how do we ever find out about it? We don't know, Matt. Mark doesn't say doesn't let us know if they just kept running without saying a word, if they finally came to their senses. We're just left there. 
None of the other Gospels do that. All the other Gospels have some form of a, or account of uh, Jesus appearing to the disciples after the empty tomb is discovered on that first Easter morning. All of them do that. Matthew has the women leaving the tomb and they're going to tell the disciples and Jesus meets them the first time along the way before they actually get there. In Luke, Luke talks about how just about the same time that the women are at the tomb, two disciples are walking along the road to Emmaus and Jesus first appears to them in that way. That's Luke's version. John has Jesus first appearing to Mary Magdalene because she's waited around at the tomb long after everyone else had left and Jesus first appears to her there. They're all a little different, but at least each of them tries to grasp what's going on after the empty tomb is first discovered, but not Mark. Mark just leaves the whole thing hanging. Oh, if you looked up in your Bible and you got to the end of Mark, you will find two optional endings there. A shorter ending to Mark and the longer ending to Mark as its title. But those were added much, much later by someone else. Scholars have a field day with this stuff. It's good job security for them. I can just picture them sitting around a table, you know, and and just yapping it up and having a good talking about these optional endings in Mark and where they kind of found where they came from. And here we have these ancient Greek manuscripts. It's from this clan and that clan and it's there and maybe it's that. And where did the ending actually go? But they all actually agree pretty much that the version we just read is the way Mark originally ended it. With them leaving the tomb, saying nothing to anyone the great cliffhanger of Mark. I have to admit to you that as I have read about Mark's ending and, you know, when you read the other gospel accounts, I get the feeling that everyone is trying really, really hard to nail this whole resurrection deal down. Try to explain every part of it so that we can somehow feel like we're in control or better. They're trying to nail it down. The church, the early church, just couldn't stand to have Mark leaving it hanging like he does in the way that we read this morning. So they added at some point, a couple of times later, two possible endings that have Jesus actually appearing. The other Gospels do some great homework on getting out there and telling their own experience or finding all the, all the resurrection stories they can find out there and jam-packing it into the end of their Gospels. They all do that, all except Mark. We love to nail things down. We feel better when, when things are in their place. We like questions that have answers. And we like to be the one in the class that gives the answer, don't we? We like it when things are nailed down. People talk, We talk about how people love a mystery. People love a mystery, we say, but we really only love a mystery as long as it actually gets solved. We love solving it, but we don't like unsolved mysteries. Not fun. We don't like the restlessness that something new and unknown creates inside of us. We don't know what to do with that. And yet, that is actually the point of Easter. Because resurrection is not something that can be nailed down. You can't nail down and explain new life away. 
That's why they call it new life. The whole idea is that we don't know exactly what's going to happen until it comes to be. We don't know what this new life is going to look like until we actually experience it firsthand. You can't nail it down. Of all the Gospels, I think Mark understands that the most. I'm going to suggest something to you today. I'm going to suggest that the reason Mark leaves his ending open-ended the way he does is it's Mark's way of trying to force us to stop focusing so much and talking so much about what's going on out here so that we might talk about what's actually going on in here. For the past couple of weeks, in parts of Weeks off and on during Lent here at the church, we've been talking about how much time we spend focusing on what's going on out here, talking about what's going on out here. We, we do so much focusing on what's going on out here that we actually forget to pay attention to what's happening here. It's happening in here. Mark challenges us by the way he writes his gospel. The other gospels, they talk about all the resurrection stories. They do a good job of it. It's not to say that's not true. It is, but that's where they put their energy. They talk about how Jesus appears to the disciples and Thomas is the one who doubts him, right? And Jesus looks at Thomas and says, see my hands, touch my side. They talk about how they go to the mountain where Jesus told them to go in the first place and Jesus appears to them there at a later time and says, peace be with you. They talk about how the disciples go out fishing and they see Jesus walking along the beach, the resurrected Jesus on the beach, and he invites them to come in and sit with him and they sit together and they eat breakfast about how Jesus opens up the scriptures and the meaning of the scriptures to them and all this time and these accounts post-Easter morning that they spend with Christ. They all talk about it, and maybe you can too. Maybe you could come to me and share all the resurrection stories you've learned within the Gospels, and maybe even some writings that didn't quite make the canon of the Bible, and talk to me all about that. Maybe you can do that too, as you answer the question of what happened after that Easter morning by citing chapter or verse of every detail you know and answering that question, but that's not the question Mark wants us to ask today. The question Mark wants us to ask is not what happens out here, but what's happening in here. What does resurrection look like for you here? What's God doing here? How often do you forget to listen to yourself? The women running from the tomb were forced to do that. It's what Mark wants us to do. In his book, Let Your, Let Your Life Speak, Parker Palmer talks about when he was a younger person. He says, when I was younger, I used to 
plan and pattern my life after the people and the things all around me. In other words, out here. I would, I would find the loftiest ideals and that I would set out to achieve them and I got really good at it. And it felt like it worked for a time. I mean, for some time it looked like it. To look at me, you would say my life was going swimmingly. It was wonderful, you might say, to see me on the outside. But to be honest with you, as I look back, it wasn't really working. Not really, because it wasn't really me. Over time, I discovered that, yes, these were helpful for a period, but they were not the only answer. That I was actually living my life after someone else. I was living the life of someone else. Someone else's list. Someone else's advice. I wasn't listening to the echoes of my own heart. And that's harder work to do that. He says we learn it from an early age. From a very early age. We are taught Take copious notes. Learn from the experts. And that's okay for a, for a time, but it's not the only thing. He says, when I lead retreats, at some point, almost every time, without fail, people come up to me and they, they tell me, they show me, look at these great quotes I got from you. Could you give me that third word and that second quote you got? Because I really want that, that quote just right. And they often spend so much time listening to the retreat leader that they don't take notes on what's happening to themselves in the experience itself. Life is lived not by only following everything out here, seeking guidance in here. I think Mark gets that. I like to think of Mark as the Parker Palmer of gospel writers. Wanting us to look within ourselves. What does resurrection look like for you? It's not easy work. What's God doing in here? How often do you listen to the echoes of your own heart? If you've ever read a book by Anne Lamont, you know that she's one of those playfully irreverent people. She's also openly honest about what's going on in her heart and on her mind. She's one of those people who has learned through much pain how to live life from the inside out rather than the other way around. She's tried the outside in, nearly ended her. One time she was asked in an interview, she was asked to talk about her prayer life if she didn't mind and of course she said sure my prayer life is very simple in the morning I get up and I pray two words help me and then at the end of the day before I end the day I pray two more words thank you help me Thank you. I did it that way for a long time, but after some time passed, I began to realize that something was missing 
in my prayer life. And so now when I pray, I start off the same way, I end the same way, but at some point during the day, when the time is right and I feel it's appropriate, I look up and I simply say, wow. Because I really think we should be able to say wow to God once in a while. I love that. You should be able to say wow to God. Thing is though, you can't say wow to God if you're only fashioning your life after the people and the powers all around you out here. You can't say wow to God until you start listening to what God is doing here. What's God doing in here? That's the big question Mark wants us to ask today with this resurrection cliffhanger. What's God doing in here? What does new life look like in here? Take that question with you as you go. As you run out the doors of this sanctuary like the women who left the empty tomb on that first Easter morning. As you go out into the world filled with Easter good news. Open yourself up to the life of Jesus Christ coming alive within yourself. For hear me when I say this. When Christ our Lord comes alive in your heart. There is simply no escaping it. It's the great mystery that we get to spend a lifetime solving. One that leaves us with more questions than we can ever answer. One that leaves us longing for more. One that leaves us with nothing left to do but look up and say, wow. Wow. Happy Easter to you.